0: Hey folks, and welcome to 2021 and episode 2 of the Medium Term Podcast, hosted by myself, Alan Sidley. In this episode, I reflect on 2020 and do an exercise to start 2021 with just a little less resentment. I also catch up with one of my dear friends and New York creative comedian entrepreneurs to hear how their business has shifted with comedy clubs closed down. So let's get into it.
1: Wake up! See the sky, see the clouds amongst the sun,
2: see the day for everything it could be, stop treading on that snooze button, run.
0: I always like the end of the year. Things are a bit quiet, I get to make some time to reflect on the past year, see what goals were accomplished, which things I need to dump. Uh, this time of reassessment and reevaluation allows me to come up with some new ideas and strategies to hit the ground running in the next year. And it also leaves room for new energy and possibilities. But unfortunately, as I've been thinking about, you know, some of this new stuff that I want to get done, once in a while, it really gets sucked into some of the negative stories of the past year. As we know, 2020 was pretty brutal with for a lot of people. And for me personally, these like three things keep popping up. Uh, one was I did get COVID and I was really sick for about 12 days. I mean, just fever ranging from 100 to 102 and a half sweating through the bed sheets every night just very miserable put me down into like a deep depths of depression uh, my grandma she also passed away this was not covid related but it was towards the end of the year and you know she's my only living grandparent at the time uh, and it was just uh, things kind of happened very quickly it was tough for a lot of my family members and myself included to grief it is harder to grief during this time because we're not allowed to go to funerals And there was like no real service. So it just made that end feel kind of abrupt, but not also like a real mourning process. And not to be selfish, but one of the brutal things for me personally was I did lose my job, as I mentioned, uh, back in March, was a full-time comedy producer and comedian and had really been unemployed since then. So those were kind of the main things popping into my head. Now, on a very positive note, I'm happy to celebrate that I did get an new job that actually ticks all my boxes. Been watching a lot of British baking show, so ticking all my boxes is important. Um, and I actually start that job on January 4th. Uh, the job sounds pretty interesting. The team I'm reporting to sounds seems like a pretty reasonable group of gals. It is a female only team. That should be interesting. Uh, the pay is good and I'll be working remotely forever, not one of these remote until COVID gets fixed and Uh, Since I will technically be a contractor, I'm actually not allowed to work more than 40 hours a week. I know that was one of my concerns in trying to get back into the real working world, is you know, being overworked and having no time for my creative pursuits. And if you actually listened to the first episode of this podcast, you would know that one of my main medium term goals was to find a job that would let me work remote. And I really feel lucky, grateful, and relieved that it all worked out. Now, however, once in a while, you know, this process that took me to get this position, I will feel some of that anger and resentment start creeping in because it was awful. I mean, I knew everyone, uh, a lot of my, you know, ex-colleagues were kind of sitting at home, really not doing that much. You know, a lot of people who were my peers are either into programming or business analytics or something that involves kind of staring at screens all day. And for all I knew, they were, you know, spending half their day playing video games Rolling in a lot of money. And, you know, I felt like I wasn't doing anything productive, that I wasn't like a contributing member of society. And I just felt bad. I wanted to like actually provide income uh, for, you know, my wife and I and to meet some of these future goals. Now, this job process, like, I don't know how it used to be, uh, you know, I was a little bit lucky in the past, where I was able to bounce from position to position. But you know, it, it was tough applying for jobs when everyone else was. Um, I spent most days looking at my computer. I signed up for all the potential job subscriptions, Indeed, uh, ZipRecruiter, Monster, uh, Dice, which was some technological stuff. I spent each day applying for every position that was available. And, you know, sometimes you're going through it. Like, am I actually, do I even want this job? But like, obviously, a Any job is better than no job. So that in itself is draining and reading so many things that I wasn't qualified for because a lot of jobs in the Northern Virginia, DC area require very strict top secret clearances. So I read something, be excited. Oh, I actually match all these criteria and then be immediately taken out of uh, consideration. Now, a lot of what uh, companies are doing, they're also requiring folks to take skills tests and trying to weed out some of the competition before they even read your resume. And some of these tests that I'd be taking on a daily basis could range from 30 minutes to one required about six to seven hours. I mean, it was just so many areas, so many knowledge and subject areas. And, you know, I, I didn't even hear back from that company. So just kind of knowing that each day I was applying for jobs and taking these tests. Uh, and then one of, another awful part was... <laughs> I had to pick up the phone, my cell phone, every time it rang because it could be a recruiter. And now a lot of times it was actually these third-party recruiters that, you know, not to be mean, but they did not speak English well. So it was like I was talking to these folks. I couldn't really understand what the job was. But every time I put on my best face, sounded interested, sounded passionate. And just that whole process was just very slow and painful. And I mean, I hate, I never pick up the phone like... And just knowing that each time the phone rang, I was going to have to pick up and maybe talk to someone. But like 99% of the time, it was a spam call anyways, but I had to pick up on that one chance. Uh, And I did notice that once in a while, I would get a few bites for some positions and be lucky enough to get a second round interview, a couple of round interviews. And these things would kind of come in in batches where I would get like a few things at a time. But then you know who knows i was number two and they were only hiring number one and the process would all reset i would have no bites and i'll go through this entire thing again filling out hundreds upon hundreds and hundreds of apps just to get this thing and something that i noticed in speaking with my wife about it is just it was really hard for me to be optimistic when there were just these variables that are outside of my control right you know i would talk with a company, and it would seem actually like, oh, I could do this. You know, I'm actually excited to get back into the workforce, solve problems again. This seems like a great group. And, you know, each time you're doing the interview or talking to someone, you have to put on, you know, channel all this positivity, and I would actually feel it. But it would be such a drop to be optimistic and then just get jolted back when, oh, sorry, we were actually looking for someone named first name Bob, and you're an Allen, so we can't take it. Sorry, buddy. Whereas the job that I ended up getting, I mean, this is ridiculous. I applied on a Wednesday and then immediately was asked to take an hour skills test, which was kind of silly. Didn't really make a lot of sense. It was just, yeah, it's not even worth getting into. Uh, But they're interested. I had an interview on Thursday and I had an offer Thursday night. I mean, it still hasn't completely set in yet, but by the time this gets uploaded, I'll probably have started or be a day away from starting. But just like, you know... It's nice to have this burden off of my shoulders, but here's the thing. Over the years, you know, as I've been growing and becoming a much more mature individual, I've obviously gotten more self-aware. And I think it's really important for me to start clear in this new year, 2021, with this new job, because I know in the past I've had what I've called rebound jobs where you're kind of bringing in all that negative energy and resentment and not necessarily like treating them like shit, I would say, but you're not, you don't feel like they deserve your best because you're still getting back at them for that previous job that treated you horribly wrong or that you didn't feel was at least fair to you, either in compensation, treatment, environment, whatever. Um, so in trying to get this closure and clearness, I'm personally a really big believer in writing one-sided letters to get closure. Uh, feels like it's a very comfortable medium for me to express myself, not necessarily in like the nastiness where I want to tear these people down, but just letting me say, Hey, you know, this is, didn't feel fair. This didn't feel right. I felt let on. Um, and I've, you know, I've even did that uh, with my grandma who passed in trying to get closure. I actually wrote a letter that I planned on mailing to her, but she wasn't in a state where she could really read it. But I felt like it was good for me to do that exercise you know, and if that doesn't work, I can always imitate my inner m M&M, and write some poorly made diss track to let it all out. So really, you know, in fi- figuring this out for myself, I kind of just recommend doing whatever works for you. Now for me, uh, I picked, there was one particular experience in this job hunt that really just rubbed me the wrong way. You know, I felt let on, I, the process dragged on forever and I, and in trying to figure out how to let go i really see this opportunity as all the other opportunities bubbled up into this macro element of frustration disappointment so i've already cheated um i've actually written my letter so i can read it out loud now which hopefully will give me a little additional relief since i'll be expressing those thoughts and feelings in a different way by doing it verbally and yeah here we go um The names have been fictitious. My wife really likes Pride and Prejudice, so I'm writing a letter to Mr. Darcy. Dear Mr. Darcy, I'm writing to let you know that I found your interview process extremely dissatisfying. It was misleading, time-consuming, and unnecessarily drawn out over eight and a half weeks. Since our initial call on April 3rd, you insinuated I was getting the green light. Now, in your defense, you never promised me the job, but things were looking very positive. I proceeded to have a more technical interview with senior executives on April 14th. Then there was a bit of radio silence before getting the update of having an interview with your direct report on May 11th. I ran out of people to interview, so you invited me to do a case study on May 21st that you would estimate take three hours, but obviously since I wanted the job, it took me closer to five, six, seven, eight. You had feedback saying, this is really great. Then on June 8th, I got an email that the whole company loved me, but you wanted to go with someone more senior. It honestly broke my faith in humanity for a couple of weeks. Among this evidence, there was a lot of intangible evidence during the conversations I had that I was really getting this green light, so I didn't really seek out positions, other jobs at this time, which is admittedly my fault, but you know, in conclusion, I really hope your company never treats anybody like this again. It is wrong. Warm regards, Alan. Now, that felt a little good, um, honestly, I would never send this email because I have no idea how this individual would respond. I don't need any additional anxiety, but I believe by writing this and doing this episode, I feel a little better. I actually do. And, you know, here's to new beginnings in 2021, new jobs, starting with new energy, just not bringing any of the bad shit with you. <clears throat> now to change directions, we're actually going to focus on Even more positivity and welcome my good friend Sarah Armour to the podcast. Uh, She actually told me that 2020 was one of her best years ever. So I'm really excited to catch up with her. A little bit of background. Sarah Armour is a comedian, coach, astrologer, and founder of the Moonual, which is a creative community of astrologers and healers that hosts bi-monthly community moon rituals. Pretty interesting stuff. Uh, The show used to run at Caroline's on Broadway in New York but is now conveniently located on Zoom. So make sure to check out themoonual.com. Followed on Instagram. There's a podcast. And the next show is on January 12th. So make sure to check it out. And now let's welcome Sarah to the program. Hello. Hey, Sarah. How are you Alan,
1: doing? I'm good. How are you?
0: I am doing so well today. How about I'm yourself?
1: Glad. I'm great. And can you hear me okay? I just... um. This is actually the first thing I'm doing today so I like just woke up <laughs> oh nice and um I'm very excited that you're my first like many days of old you're my right, first right. call my first call of the day
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice well you sound great so
1: <laughs> thank you I sound so like is... a little bit mm-hmm. a little hoarse but like I'm I'm, I'm rocking. it sounds
0: New Yorky it's okay it just cool. sounds like yeah
1: yeah <laughs> That's the right answer. Well, wherever I am, I'm fucking sounding like I'm a chic New Yorker. I love it. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so how, how have you, you been? been? Uh,
1: I have... Jinx.
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess I'll go first. Um, You know, I, I think I mentioned like this last year was kind of tough. Um,
1: I mean, it was were... definitely like, I think like everybody, like the, the beauty is everybody, I think has that same... Sort of Same kind of
0: feeling. Like, everyone's experience. like, I can't wait for yeah. this year to be over. But right, on the bright right. side, there, I definitely had some, like, really strong positive momentum going into the end of the year. Um, Hell yeah! Yeah, like, I mean, things kind of sucked back, uh, you know, besides pandemic and having to be, you know, quarantined and self-contained and, like, missing a lot of those relationships. But
2: mm-hmm. having
0: to switch from uh, the, like, comedy producer business to Doing nothing and ultimately going back into the job search, going Mm. back into trying to get a data tech job was so. I don't know if we're,
1: I don't know if we're recording yet, but like so many questions. That's so I can't believe. Like that's like shocking to me. Like I cannot believe that you're back. Or did you? Did you end up getting a job?
0: Yeah. So I ended up getting one like a week ago. Right. Oh my god.
1: Congrats.
2: Thank
0: you. And yeah, it was amazing. Like it ticks a lot of my boxes. It's remote forever. It's not just remote during this time
2: wow Um,
0: the pay is good it's like the team is very like reasonable sounding so i think it'll be nice to not have so much like idle time on my hands and being like a productive member of society until i decide i don't want to you know do that again but i think i think it'll be a good change so it's
1: kind of interesting because like i feel like that's like like when we're talking about like how this year went or whatever I feel like what you're describing is a lot of like they're like for as difficult as things have been or as like you know um, hard to plan or like just chaotic or, or uncomfortable I feel like this year actually like brought people back to a place where like it's like a lot of the things about your life producing even if things were exactly as they are like that were not necessarily ideal for you you know like there are things about it that actually like you know, as somebody who's also, I mean, with the moon, World now, like that's switched now too, like they're all online,
2: mm-hmm.
1: And even that, even in terms of like performance and producing, there's something about the like, like the focus that we all get from this sort of very simple new rule, you know, in place, which is like, you can't go anywhere. There's nowhere right. to go. And like, I do realize now how much time and energy I was spending on these like physical, you know, physical goals Mm -hmm. or like visions of my future that were actually just like, I was actually like giving away huge chunks of my time, like into transient or into trying to like physically move bodies. And it's like way harder than actually just getting someone to like, you know, just to work remotely in general is actually helpful, I think for everybody on some level. So like, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. I think this is like a change that everybody really actually needed on some level. Right.
0: Yeah. Like, man, the first, I will say like the first week of when everything closed down, I was like, this is amazing. I have no pressure. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be anywhere to set up all these shows. But then like yeah. Yeah, a couple of months went by and I was like, I got to figure out something else.
1: <laughs> totally. Uh, but in a lot of ways, like, you know, like whatever it, it, it's, money is such a funny thing when it comes to like creativity and like doing yeah. our creative work, because it's like, you have to really find that sweet spot between unless you like, unless your like passion, like is to become a money coach. Therefore there's no end to like, cause you're just advertising. Like I can, I'm a money coach and I can help you make money, become me a money coach. That's like right. one sort of like, and you're avenue. like now I'm in the
0: next year and now I do this. And then I just grew right. into the next year.
1: <laughs> right. Right. And like, that doesn't appeal to me either. Like that's not really what I do, what I do either. So, but it's like the, um, you know, the the way that things were, like, I'm very lucky that I was a coach, uh, that that coaching is my business, because, like, during this time, you know, I think people actually had to have these conversations with themselves, like, I happen to be facilitating for the past, you know, whatever, you know, eight years, decade, you know, I guess, like, yeah, almost, I guess, eight years, but, like, it's just, like, actually, so, like, for me, for my bank account, it was good, but I think for like the people who were kind of in that like midpoint between like creativity and just like day job that like actually the big choices that were made or like some of the things that we've been doing to, and I mean I know for me it's in comedy but it's like we make the choices like for our art but then we don't really realize like oh but like you know it's like there is a sacrifice to it but like with no end in sight of like how to actually change the like the business or your financial situation like based on like whatever your art is it's kind of like I don't know there's something really fucking you know work like your art becomes your work the minute you like really need it to pay the bills and so it does kind of lose its luster a little bit so I think there's something kind of nice about like being back in a position where you're like okay actually like whatever I produce is like for pleasure and yeah. it's not actually something that's like, okay, yeah, this is, like it's make fun or break, again. you better My, not fucking fuck it up. Right. Like it's actually it's, like,
0: you don't have the pressure of like, I am losing, <laughs> if things go badly, I lose the opportunity and just that right. hanging over your shoulder every totally. day, night.
1: Right. Like there's so much, like, there's so much just stress and pressure yeah to having to like live out the choices that we make, and sometimes that road to like where we want to be versus where we are when it when the three d is involved like when it requires like a lot of physical production or like physical choices or whatever, it's actually like man, it's like a it's a way different choice, like producing from a place of this has to make money, it changes the vibe of a of a like comedy show, for example, so fucking much
2: that
1: it's like, you know, it's like on some level you're like, did I really want to be a marketer or like, did I really want to be a, you know, uh, I don't know. It's just like, it is a slightly different job. Yeah. And just caring um,
0: about so many aspects, right? You're caring about, as you mentioned, the marketing and then you're like, it's a fun show, but are people spending money? Like, how is it? And just... And just like the difference between, you know, when you show up to a show versus like, don't get me wrong, when you put on something and you're involved in all the aspects and it's like fun and everyone's enjoying it, there is that like extra layer of enjoyment, I think, because you're like, yeah, I hosted this, I put this together. But other times it's nice to just show up, do your thing, and leave.
1: Yeah, totally. You can't and do it's that. like, <laughs> well, and it's like, like, I definitely think it's really fun to put shows together. But I think that like, like, even for the Moon um, are we recording, by the way? We are recording. Oh, so, yeah, why okay, don't you give great. a... Okay, great. I just, like, started, like, talking, and you know? Yeah, I'm yeah,
0: like, oh, no, I, that I think that's... I, like... I think that's better, yeah, just podcast. recording. We'll talk. In it. So, yeah, why don't okay, you give cool. a little background, cool. A, about, like, the the coaching? Just just kind of touch on it real quick, and then B, definitely go into the Moon Yule stuff.
1: Yeah, because it's, like, well, that's, that's, like, a good time. That's, like, why I asked, because I'm, like, okay, well, I should, like... I should say why my experience with, like, producing ended up being better now. So, i'm sarah thanks for having me alan thanks for
0: joining the program sarah
1: (laughs) my pleasure and i think this is from one coach to another i think that this is like a really from one coach and one creative to another like i'm really like excited to hear that you're doing this project because like what a perfect like from a coaching perspective i'm like oh i should do a workshop on this because i'm like yeah like medium-term goals are like about as as um far as we can actually go right now on on some level because it's so hard to like i think a lot of our like future future visions about what we really like saw for our lives long term we were kind of trying to jump from short term to long term you know or try to make some these like some like quantum leap in yeah like like level of success that's when it becomes like really not fun and, and really hard and really kind of like you know you kind of get down on yourselves, and so now, especially because coronavirus gave us permission that, like, oh, hey, no, we don't expect anyone to be successful this year, no worries, you know, we're, like, everyone's off the hook, like, you know, even though it's it's painful, it's also, like, rethink, rethink, and I do think that, in a lot of ways, this was a good, okay, so for me, personally, why it was good, so I am, um, I'm, I'm a many part person, right, so, like, I haven't had a job job, I haven't had a day job since, like, 2012, I guess, and, Um, so I've always had like, like sort of a mishmash of things that paid my bills. So it was like, I have a life coaching practice. I also now am a, um, working astrologer. I also now, uh, well, I guess like I always was a producer of like video and live shows of whatever kind, um, and a comedian, right? So like, these are like the four things that I spent most of my time doing all in like very different spheres. And what's been really cool for me at this time is that um, there was a lot of like bridging of the gaps between the the things that I did that felt kind of like disparate or like they had to be siloed, or like they were sort of like I don't even think since you've yeah you feel like they're like think...
2: fueling
0: each other kind of thing like well, the synergy wasn't there.
1: Well, like there was synergy, but it was all very like manipulative on my part. So like. Hmm. I used to get hired as a coach, I would say like 90% of my business as a coach, and as an astrologer has come from like, people that I've met through comedy, right? So like a lot of most of my clients are people that like, I've met after a show, or I've taken a class with or so so literally like my entire uh, other than like word of mouth, um, word of mouth, like referrals, almost everyone that I work with like is either a comedy fan or also a comedian or like uh someone who someone who saw me live and then after a show was like wait a second you're really a coach or like wait a second you're really an astrologer and then would be like yeah so for me like the after hang of shows even though like hypothetically when you do a show the goal of the show is to just mm. like be the funniest on the show a lot of times i felt like i was playing like triple the duty angles. because it was like yeah. it was like okay so not only do i have to go and either produce the show and crash on the show. But then I also have to like, make people like me enough and standard. like, it wasn't like, you know, people in comedy are like, how do you wanna, how do you wanna, um, or like, what is it that your goal is in comedy? And so often the, the advice is just like to hang or like to go hang or you wanna perform. And like, that is, you know, comedy has always been less of a struggle for me, other like less of a struggle for me than like money has been. So for me, like I'm down to go for the hang, but oftentimes it's not the pre-show hang with the comics, it's the like post-show hang with the audience that actually like, like, okay, I put my time in hanging, but it's not like to go hang where I want to perform. It's like, I go where I perform and I do, I I do try to hang so that I can like, you know, like, like make some, make some connections between like who I am on stage versus like people that may actually be interested in what I mention that I do or whatever. So, but, but that was always, I don't mean manipulative in like a bad way, but it's like, I'm not the best email marketer. I'm not the best, um, like, like professional writer or like corporate communicator. And like my, my websites have always been like so ineffective for me because it's (laughs) been like, Look at my page. Like I'm on the one hand this. I'm on the other hand that. I'm on the other hand this. Right. I'm on the other hand that. And it's like, okay, wow. Well, this person maybe like she should just get a day job. Like these these all seem like so chaotic. And um, towards the end of like as the end of or or as, as, you know at BC before coronavirus. Like as the <laughs> as the coronavirus loomed in the in the you know, recent future, but, like, hadn't actually happened yet, regardless of, you know, what actually went down, there was this part of me that, like, needed to make a change in my business, but, like, I didn't know quite how, and, like, I sort of knew, and I'd been experimenting with it for a few years, but, like, I sort of knew that, like, in terms of, like, style, and even just, like, my interest as a comedian, like, I had to, like, kind of deal with the fact that like original long-term goals that I had about comedy were like, not like the way that I was going to get there was not necessarily going to quote unquote work because there were all these like sort of midpoints in the comedy game that I would like, like checkpoints that I would have to reach that I didn't really have any intention of pursuing in the way that, that the industry, let's just say Mm
2: -hmm. would
1: have rewarded. And so that became kind of, so like there was like all of ni- 2019, there was this sort of question mark in my space regardless, which was like, damn, I'm kind of not interested in just like polishing my five so that I can get discovered. I'm kind of not that interested in, you know, like I, I enjoy going, I enjoy comedy. I enjoy the process, but like, just you want to do it your the, way well yeah like and and you know i mean we've been Mm -hmm. working together for years like you know that like my biggest issue with comedy was just that like it it ultimately is this like like any other business it's ultimately this like very sort of it's like there's a way to do it and like you check the you 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 do it in the way that you're supposed to do it and and you reach checkpoints and you get rewarded and there are gatekeepers but it's like The homework assignment's very clear, but it's the kind of thing where like, even if I were in school and that were the homework assignment, I would never do it. Like, that's (laughs) like, it's it's not actually my work, like my work is not perfecting that five, one, one five minute bit at a time. And my, also my work is not being like a full-time producer either, especially in the context of the way things were in real life, because You know, in a true aside from like the fact that I do comedy sort of differently, or my approach to the way that I like to do it is sort of different, it's also that like producing comedy when you know you're working within the constructs of this like three D system can be really limiting. So like the Yule, for example, was a show that I started in twenty sixteen. I did it for a year at Caroline's, and then kind of took some years off to to figure out like what I wanted it to be because I knew that wasn't quite it. Then it got revived this past year at the Stand, where it was until coronavirus happened. And even when it was at the Stand, though, like technically these are like two of the best comedy clubs in the city. Like,
2: uh-huh.
1: you know, I, it should have been like, "Wow, this is like producing at its finest." Like, I'm good. It actually was still really fucking stressful because it's like you have to fill seats in order to yep. get paid, and these clubs are like expensive New York City establishments that have, you know drink minimums and they're high end there you know, the burger's $11. This isn't like, just like an easy, quick thing. So, you know, that was kind of stressful. And then like comedy clubs have a lot of limitations around like what you actually can do there. First of all, not only does it need to sell tickets, but it has to be, you know, within like an hour and a half structure because comedy clubs are getting, you know, they're, they're the way that comedy clubs make money, shifting people in and out is the business. So it's like, it's actually like so much of the nature of comedy is like in and out, like, be be funny quick and get out or like do you know like do the show have it be a tight little thing and then like you know and then like that's it that's the end and like for me there it just like wasn't fully satisfying and then the other piece of it is like you know a lot of where I was feeling like I'm really funny is like on these coaching calls or on you know on my astrology readings or whatever and I'm going gee I wish there was some way that I could just like make a like coaching show or like so i experimented sort of that's what i was saying right before the coronavirus even happened i was kind of experimenting with like like live coaching structures and like what would it look like to have a comedy show where like i was actually doing fully improvised sets which is like sort of what i like to do anyway and like you know showed up there as this like hybrid hybrid character like you know one part there as a comedian but like doing it through the lens of this like co-hosting an open sort of coaching show which also was a failure because it was like really hard to communicate to people what it was going to be what it was going to be and like again it didn't like even though like to me there was this like very obvious synthesis of how all these things work together it was like how to describe this to people who don't really know what I'm talking about because like they and I also did you know I did I did shows at the draft house I had a weekly regular stand-up comedy show so like between all of these things that I would so When the coronavirus ended, I had, like, a moonule that was happening in two different locations, one in D.C. at Dwell, one in The Stand in New York City. And then I had these other comedy shows that were just straight comedy shows that I was just producing for the sake of, like, you know, just creating more opportunity. And because, like, you know, a producer, there is something about, like, the energy of someone who's a producer. I think we both have it. I think it's called just, like, The Jews but it's like <laughs> we, there's like an element of like like ownership and hustle that like yeah, yeah. we just like have to do something with like there it's like there's some people that produce i can't just like, do
0: comedy i gotta do business too <laughs> right i don't know why i went to that right. accent i can't do the jewish <laughs> accent well, <laughs> i just yeah, go monster.
1: Like, I, <laughs> I literally think that's like i think yeah I'm, I, I'm like what do we need to do i have like that raspy new york cold going so it's like you know but yeah it's like it's like you know we got to be part of the business, Alan. You know, yeah, I don't, yeah, now yeah. I went, like, sloppy, like, old-age home, you know. Now <laughs> I'm going to be part of the business. But really, though, like, that is what it is. It's like, there is this, like, sort of... So it's, like, not that I didn't enjoy producing, It's all because someone like, was
0: like, make money doing comedy, and you're like, okay. <laughs> okay,
1: why would I do anything if I didn't think I could make money doing it, you know? <laughs> but, like, that is a very confusing ask of someone, because like even though, like, no, I do enjoy controlling spaces. I do enjoy choosing the talent and choosing the lineup and being sort of like an authoritative, I just like, you know, maybe it's my, I have to do your chart sometime Alan, but like for me, I have a Capricorn moon Mars. So like my inner, my inner joy is all business. So like, (laughs) you know, I like producing comedy shows, but then the other piece of it is like actually like the business of producing live comedy shows as it was, wasn't, wasn't particularly like lucrative or easy. Like I, I, you would put, especially when they were at Caroline's, I would like spend so long marketing and we would have like a pretty good turnout. Like we would even get like, you know, 150 people in Caroline's, which for me is like, I'm not a draw. I don't have like, a, I didn't have a podcast that blew up before. So I'd be like sweating my ass off like every two weeks or or, or at that time. Right, just looking at those
0: RSVP numbers, just hoping, like, they go please,
1: up. hoping they go up and then it's like, you do it. And it's like, even if it's like a huge success, you get the check and it's like $120 yep. max no, at the end profit? of it. And you're yeah, like, yeah. fuck, like, this is like, how could this be the thing, right? But then how do I explain it if it's not the thing? Or how do I say, come to my weird location, it's gonna be an eight hour hang where I like coach and teach astrology and then have variety acts in between and like, just trust me. It's like, fuck, what am I gonna do, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was still trying to move forward with that regardless. Like the DC union, when I did it there, I did it at a more like sort of, loose space, a loose venue, uh, except even they have like multiple programs. So you do kind of have to be like in and out. You have to work within the confines of like people's time and you have to respect, you know, the energy it takes to get somewhere and you don't want to keep people hot. And most
0: people, yeah, only really want to, especially for like a performance thing. I mean, I think we know where it's like, unless you are somehow captivating these high energy folks, like two hours is almost, even two hours can be pushing it.
1: Totally, right. Like at the comedy show, and it's funny too, because I used to run a show, so I hosted a weekly, I, I, I was hosting two weekly shows in the city before coronavirus happened and both were very satisfying. One I made absolutely zero dollars from, but it was a, it was a comedy show. It was like the worst fucking show in New York, but like so fun and so me, which was just like, nice. no, they fucking were, they were totally notorious for never fucking ending. In fact, we did a, we did a um, a thon it was called weave. we did a weebathon at the New York Comedy Festival that year or whatever it was 2019 and like or I guess it was 2020 yeah because it was November well, no no 2019 so in of 2019 we did a Weepathon and like the reason it was like the way that we built it was like the longest show in the history of the New York F- Comedy <laughs> Festival and it was it was like from like 7 p.m. until 2 in the morning like I because it, it was because like I guess part of because how I built my business was in the afterhang We had like one room that was just like an ongoing, like you could come in and out anytime. And then the other room was just like a party with and for the comics. So it's like, you know, that was more my jam. Like I kind of want, like I like to facilitate like a full experience. It's like a whole time, you know? But even that was, like, not sustainable. Like, uh, you know, I couldn't do all weepathons. I mean, even though they all kind of had that vibe. No, people at the end, like, the feedback I was getting from, like, my close girlfriends that were coming to be supported every time, they are like, we cannot be here for four hours, like, right. <laughs> on a Monday. Like, it's just, like, we're so, or, like, or, like, they'd be people, like, sneaking out in the middle, and they'd be like, sorry, sorry. And there was always that energy of, like, no, it's cool. I don't care. Like, you know, but I, but I do care, and they care. And there's that sort of uncomfortable right so like short like in my in real life shows that are performance oriented do need to be relatively short and sweet and to the point and then i hosted barbershop which was fucking dope but like i had i the only reason that was like super fun to do comedy was because i had to do zero of the production at all yeah. it was a built it was a show that was built that then i got like basically hired to host which is like a dream come true but that's where i sourced a lot of my business because i wasn't overproducing or exhausted by the end of the show I could hang out after shows and then just be funny and let that let that lead to business but all of these things were like kind of conflicted they didn't totally help each other I was wasting a lot of time in transit I was traveling back and forth from New York to DC constantly just like trying to nurture both of these these quote unquote like markets or these scenes or whatever and it was just like not fucking working and even though I did have this like idea of what I would do, ideally in my mind before coronavirus, it seemed like, oh yeah, what are you like the fucking laziest person on earth? Like I would never have actually, I would never have built the thing that like so so ultimately the Moonual, which was my monthly moon show, became a bi-monthly moon show, and over the course of coronavirus, it's like the I'm telling you, it is the most fun you can possibly have on zoom i don't know if like i don't know if even if we went real life again even if these events happened in real life they would be more like festivals and and they would be brought they would be like streaming like they'll be streaming on broadcast now forevermore. and like i realized that like without trying to like create the thing that didn't exist and like market it and sell it and brand it and then like try to like do all this extra, what I felt was like extra communicating to try to like make this thing happen that didn't exist. It actually could become what I wanted it to become, really organically. Because now there You're was using this, this platform that was like well, it's, I, yeah. I was using this platform. There was no like corralling anybody anywhere. Everybody is just sitting at home. And sorry for this like super long rant, but that's basically like the like for me. It it allowed me to get back to the basics. Like okay, Sarah. When it comes to like what you actually are doing with your time, how do you actually make your money? How do you actually, what are the pieces of every single thing that you do that you enjoy? How can you build your life around just doing those things and having everything you do work together in perfect harmony? It's like, oh, I haven't done any other Zoom shows. I mean, I'll do podcasts, I'll do like IG Lives or whatever, but like I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not like struggling to do these in in real life things anymore that I needed to do to like, Please the industry, or like, right. like you used to not be able to do comedy unless you showed up. So I'm spending, you know, I'm spending. Even if I'm like living with my parents, I'm like driving from from New Jersey to New York. I'm spending thirty dollars on tolls, or I'm having to spend way longer in like public transportation, which takes a long time. Which in the cold and just sucks, so and then draining you get too. There, <laughs> so fucking draining, and then you get there, you do your five, and then if it's not your show, you have to really it is annoying to have to stay and hang for the whole fucking show and then like hope that people remember you afterwards but then it's like i have to commute home to do this like there's just it was it was like ugh, like how could this be like my dream like I, i'm living my dream but like this this ain't it you know yeah. so now that there was this like focus added where it was like oh no you're allowed to do online and it's not like lame or weird. And actually you, you have to do a million times less work to explain what it is because now everything's hybridized. LinkedIn pictures are people in their fucking bathrobe, you know, like all of a sudden hmm. all these things that I was like really battling against in terms of like these 3D constructs and how things work really just like went out the window. And I'm telling you now I'm like, oh fuck, even if in real life were the thing, I don't know if they would be better in real life. The fact that we're all in our homes I mean, the manual programming still is relatively normal in like how long and definitely come and we'll definitely have you do one, but you'll see, you've got to come to one first because it's not necessarily like you can do a set. People do do just like sets, but it's also more of like a, it, it's more of like a hang mm. where the people who are booked get an opportunity to like sort of lead the hang or like you, you get the floor for this party, but it really feels like a fucking, like if if there was a house party on Zoom, this is it. Even if the programming ends like you know two and a half hours, three hours in, which seems long, but it goes fast. These Zooms are lasting like, like people are staying for like six hours, eight hours. Like oh, they're wow. going real. People are checking in, people that are on the list, they're checking in like all night to be like, are they still there? Are they still there? Because if you come after, the after show is just like a bunch of witches like pulling cards and talking shit and getting fucking drunk. Like, <laughs> but it's still all on the Zoom. So it's like it's not even like the the show and the after show are these two different things they like okay. energetically still sort of are but actually no, no I, I think that's really it's cool that you're able to things.
0: capture the after show experience because i i definitely think that back when we were doing live stuff like that was part of it You yeah. know, just hanging having some like beers,
1: unspoken some thing shit. yeah it's like no one that like didn't that like didn't count as like working or networking or anything Whereas like now it's like now no it's
0: content that it, some people content. are really enjoying because they're, they're getting to know you better especially yeah yeah no i think that's super cool um sarah i did want to ask though i did kind of want to just jump ahead a yeah, little sorry,
1: bit sorry that's my no, 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 that, I, i'm sorry that's the longest rant ever but now you sarah it's you about. it's fine
0: i love it <laughs> i love all of it um okay, cool. but but yeah i definitely want to hear like you know in kind of like that medium term sense like what it is your sort of your plan for this show in the upcoming year like i know you've definitely said you would rather kind of just keep this online programming going since oh i'm getting a phone call this is very unprofessional
1: Um, oh take it i don't care
0: (laughs) no i'm gonna decline it i'll send him a text but uh but yeah like you know how we used to do on the calls i'm just interested in hearing like do you have any version of this show being mapped out or is it more of like a hey i'm gonna just kind of keep going with this and see what happens
1: um, well, like, okay, so to to the point that we were sort of just making, like, I really feel like now, so like, I always had this really big vision for the show. And a big, it was, it was never just going to be a bi-monthly comedy show. It always was going to be this like, larger network. It was always going to be something that like, in my mind, the real life version of it looked a very particular way that it was a little bit more like, kind of like full day like I I was sort of like like in my dream world of it these are more like like weekend festivals Mm -hmm. that you get like that you can go to and pop in and out of even or even just like one day or two day but like these are actually like like and and I mean I don't know if you ever came to the one that I did in in real life but like before every show there was like a woo-woo like cocktail party where it was like a a cocktail hour and then like tons of vendors, like people selling crystals, people. So it was like people selling moon ritual shit. And then we had a show. And then afterwards we were kind of like networking for business. Right. So that was like the old structure of it in my fantasy world version of it. That is still what exists. And like I had, I had all these like big visions of it that like, I was like, okay, well, like once I pop off either like as a comedian. And so then this show becomes the thing or this show becomes popular enough that that can be the thing. And then I sell it and then I can be on this larger platform. Like all of that just seemed like very far away. Yeah. Like those long-term goals felt long-term. And like when I would share with like industry professionals, what my vision was, or like the managers that I used to work with or whatever, so many of them would be like, you need to just focus. Like you need to just like, you know, nail down that five so that we can actually like, get you the audience that you deserve, or you need to start doing some podcast regularly and like, you know, get on, steal other people's audiences. There's all, there was just all these like backwards ways of trying to like manipulate this, this vision. Well, now the cool thing is like, even if my only goal for this year is to keep going as it is and just build the next rung of like success or like structure that, you know, that would have to come next anyway, in order to build this thing out that exists beyond coronavirus and beyond just the internet, it would be exactly the same. So, and and I didn't have a path. I did not have a path before that made any sort of sense to me. And I was always, you know, like when we do like long-term manifesting, a lot of it is like long-term vision, keep it in mind, nurture it, water the water the garden, even if there's nothing there. But then it's like, okay, but like, what is gardening? And so there's like the difference between like, <laughs> what like seeds you're actually planting and what mulching you're doing and what composting you're doing versus like this is the garden that i'm like really here to to you know not only grow and nurture but like curate and plant and like it's like architectural landscaping out here you know so um now yeah like the goals would be the same either way which i mean I, i don't know if you're into astrology at all but it's really cool too because like you know, as an astrologer, you kind of always know what the energy that's like sort of looming is. So a lot of your planning is like, it is, it isn't long-term planning, but you kind of know enough about like the medium term, like upcoming energy that you can sort of like surf it. And you can kind of like plan for like those six months, those six months, um, you can plan for those like one month goals. You can plan for those three month goals. You can plan for those six month goals. You can plan for the, you know, so you can kind of move through the moon cycle That's kind of like the, that's like the basis of my business that like, this is a comedy show, this is a comedy event, but it also is this like higher, you know, ritual is routine. So we're like teaching the routine of using the moon to do a lot of the like life coaching that you would, the moon is a natural life coach. The moon is actually just like putting us on an accountability schedule and speaking to us and you can use the chart to get the messages. And so like, for me, it was actually like this whole thing is streamlined and the next steps are what they would be either way, which is just now, and and what I was going to say about the astrology is, like, I knew that last year, no matter what, I didn't know it was going to be, I mean, a lot of the things, I mean, we, what a year, what a year, Kobe died, I mean, we forget, like, Kobe (laughs) died, Australia was on fire, I mean, like, unbelievable year, unbelievable year, the fucking, the, the Royals left, I mean, so many things, so many things, aside from just, like, a global pandemic, so, like, I couldn't have planned a lot of the details of like how life went this year, but like all of the astrologers, every, if you came to any of my shit at the end of last year, you would have known, I'm like, this is a huge year of like death of the structure and death of the way that we've been doing things. So like, I knew not to long-term plan or to even medium-term plan, like all last year was literally, whether coronavirus did or not, it was still all short-term, like getting to the next thing and growing each show. Because I knew that come twenty, I, come December twenty twenty, we're we're having this huge shift in consciousness, and we just had this great conjunction happen on the solstice that like really is a reset of the era. So whether it's me or like anybody listening, what this next year is about is actually taking everything that you learned this year and all the like gold that you mined about like what did work versus what didn't work versus what you. I mean, if if ultimately like having a day job for you in real life wasn't really going to work because what a huge amount of energy is to put on fucking pants. Oh my God. And like to not like pick your skin in the morning and to just like the little things that make showing up in this like office environment really fucking hard. And before there was no fucking space for like, even if you were working, like, so there was, there was a time where I was still, employed but working remotely and and the and the expectations of that were so fucking ridiculous and like i actually ended up working more working remotely because i was then like overcompensating or proving that like because i wasn't like fucking battling it out on the metro i you know so like there was all again like this culture of like overworking and this culture of following the system and letting the system be your guide which it really is a horrible guide for everybody. Like the system doesn't give a fuck about people and doesn't give a fuck about your dreams or so. So there was all these conflicts anyway between what would have happened for, unless you were planning on, and and you know, like I was saying with comedy, my whole issue has kind of been that, like the fact that I'm not a, a quote unquote more successful comedian, on the one hand, like, had always like, it's like a chip on my shoulder. It bothers me. On the other hand, there was no way that I was going to be any further ahead than I am now because, like, I never participated in the system. I never yeah. bought the. I, I mean, and you've worked with me, Fuck and the I've never been man. <laughs> seriously. I, my advice to any of my, if I worked with people or if I worked, I mean, it depends on the nature of the client. But like, anybody I worked with that was like pursuing a creative career, I mean, there was no part of me that was like yeah, play the game, let them choose you, I was like, make it yourself, who the fuck cares, like, do it your way, it's gonna change anyway, and lo and behold, here we are, we're like, I mean, I even saw with you, like, a lot of the stuff, you know, you started, like, putting out, like, you know, like, 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 doing, like, co-shows, like, comedy, and, like, your, your musician family, and, like, things that, like, you just wouldn't necessarily, even now to like do a podcast, I think before it was like, Oh no, just what the world needs another podcast. Right, it's like, right. you know what? No, podcast it's like, I want to do this. Now I, we want to make yeah. something and it's, and you're doing it from love.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's the thing I enjoy the most about this podcast It's like, yeah, obviously I'm going to put it on the different platforms and like let people know about it. But like, it's as much service into me having these conversations, you know, checking totally. in on people once in a while and like learning what they're going through as well as like anyone else who's listening so totally for me like I think this is probably one of the projects that I'm most excited about on the passion side where it's like yeah, yeah you know if two people listen that's cool 10 people whatever if it grows that's cool but like participating in it is what I'm getting the most out of it so
1: well it's really a selfish such...
0: project just for myself
1: <laughs> well I have to say that like that's to me that's like that's such a, a brilliant insight and it's it's actually like isn't that, okay, so, like, even for me, like, why are the moonules so much better than they ever were? Because even though it was always, like, kind of a passion project for me, and it was always the kind of thing that I, that I was doing, because, like, like, I was going to do a moon ritual anyway, and so, like, functionally, it was, like, well, it makes sense to bring people into this work with me, because, like, I also do, like, teach and coach and facilitate this work, so, like, like hypothetically, the old moon should have been serving my purpose, but because it were always like, no, like like I I love the stand, I love Carolines, but like working working with a comedy club, no matter how close you are to the venue or like how cool, how cool it all is, it actually like you're really no matter even if you're doing it just for yourself, you're doing it like under the umbrella of somebody it's like somebody else's everything. So like yep. you have to you have to be really um it's, it, it's always just like, a compromise. Home, so yeah. <laughs> it, right, right. You're like literally hosting a dinner party in someone else's house, which is really not that relaxed under any circumstance, right? Yep. So like like what I think is really interesting about this moment is like even the moon that started like even from that place of like, okay, this isn't gonna pay the bills, but there's this larger vision that I'm gonna like nurture it still wasn't even it. But now the reason that the moon rules are so fucking dope is because like, it is what I need. Like when you go to, the reason that they can be six hours long, eight hours long, even if they aren't programmed to that is because I'm having the conversations that I need. This isn't like, hypothetically, you should like know about moon ritual and come to my comedy show as your ritual. It's actually the whole fucking thing you are coming to my moon ritual. And here's the, like, whether I was doing it with the moon Yule at a live comedy show or not, these are the people that I would be with. This is my, like, circle. So this is my coven and giving everybody uh-huh. the stage and sharing that space with my other wish friends and bringing comedians into it and having them, you know, be able to do the comedy portion of it, but in this sort of different context and then have conversations with them. Like, that's what I need. Like, the moonules are what I need. If I can show up twice a month for this thing and lead this conversation, then even if the rest of my life is fully dysfunctional or I am fully fucked up, I'm not that fucked up because two times a month I can show up to this thing and do the thing that I happen to organize, but I organize it around what I need. And I think that because, like, the world is in such a hurt place, for people that are doing, like, entertainment content or coaching content or astrology content or any of the things that you and I are both like really into actually the things that we need to heal ourselves are things that other people need too so like inherently there's that there's actual it's not just like oh this would be an interesting podcast in terms of like what I think would go viral or like what I'm interested in but like you know I'm gonna pursue it but like ultimately it's never gonna pay the bills and like I but I do have to just have something that I'm doing like no now it's not about that at all it's like actually, we're thinking really thoughtfully about how we spend our time, how we spend our energy, who we're having conversations with. And because it's not necessarily based on the physical, we can make way more. I mean, if we, if you weren't doing, if it weren't coronavirus, even if you had a podcast, I wouldn't be a natural fit for someone that you would want on it because I'm not there. We still think of everything as this like Mm. in real life. And then like also like this, the the standard of excellence that we used to require because we expected everybody to have everything like no, if you're gonna do the podcast, come use my pro mic and like come mm-hmm. look me in the eye and we want to make it. Yeah, feel we sound like fine again. right now.
0: I mean, I'm using a decent thing, but like you sound great. Like it, it's I think a, just, a, just to interrupt you for a second, like I think Please. another thing is, especially I've noticed on the sketch side, is like people are producing more, but I also think the uh, the expectation for like the super high quality stuff has also gone down where it seems like people are a little bit more chilled and relaxed, and it's like, oh, yeah. if someone has to call in with their phone, like, that's okay, we're not going to just, like, freak out and turn the thing off immediately and be like, oh, this is not the proper quality of this Dude, show that I want to listen to.
1: Totally. Calvin, I feel like you and I have had this conversation so many times. Like, if you, had, if you had overheard a conversation between Alan and Sarah five years ago, and we were talking about, like, a, a film idea that we had or a sketch idea that we had, it was always, like, I mean, I uh, if you listen to my coaching calls, like, what, where I'm being coached, so much of what I used to say was, quote, unquote, stopping me from actually making content was, like, this, like, wound I had around filmmaking and film school. And, like, I have this high expectation of, like, the, the quality that, like, I, I am willing to put out because I think of myself as an autiste. And, therefore, like, right. I didn't fucking make anything because nothing was ever going to be up to the standard of, like, the autist that I Expected myself to be, and then I, right? I felt judged or criticized or not good enough if it didn't look like super high quality, you know. Or, or I I mean, what
0: about the likes you got on it, though? You know, that's the the part that comes later. You're like, but I did a thing and it was great, and no one else thought it was great.
1: Dude, that is so real. Like, then it's like, okay, I'm really gonna do it right. So then you do, you, you quote-unquote do it right, and you spend all this fucking time and money and energy pre-producing something and then shooting it and then editing it and you're getting people to do favors for you or you're or you're paying them or you're going this is going to be in the in the film festival that no one cares about so it's going to be worth you know and it's just like oh like it so fine do it right and then it's still not that satisfying like now because of the situation it's like there's this beautiful leveling of like like it it is a sort of it is a a deeply equal like equal uh what's the one i'm looking for like uh it, it like it like There's a sense of justice. Expectation maybe? The expectation has like, has like leveled out. And so now we all have this forgiveness of each other. Like, oh no, like circumstances don't allow us to, you know, have a cruise. Like, I don't know if you saw, but Maddie Litwack did a sketch at the beginning of coronavirus where like, he basically sent, and I was one of his actors, like he basically sent a bunch of actors from all over the country, like a rough outline of their part and was like okay so here are your lines here's what I need from you do it in a sort of like a relatively like um like bare background in case I need to like edit edit backgrounds. um but like he basically put together two fucking and actually I, just, I saw he just did a third one that I was not in so fuck that no but like <laughs> he's like t- these like comedy sketches that I did with him like they're fucking they're they're maybe the funniest things I've I've part I've like acted in or been a part of that have been produced in the past like decade of doing comedy I'm not even kidding if you haven't watched them check it out they're it's okay. from smuckers with love it's like he's the Jewish James Bond and it's like <laughs> it's these there's like a trailer and then there's like an actual film that's just like you know 10 minutes long they're so fucking genuinely funny and hold on a second I to call sorry I'm back but like they're so genuinely funny, and not only are they just genuinely funny because like the way that he like like in the in the same vein of like okay I'm gonna di- when you used to wanna direct and I have gone out for financing a number of times to try to direct these like films that I have ideas about or even if they're docu style people really want you to like pre visualize and like do a lot of this like like to, to do like a a, a a film shoot where your actors and the camera people were kind of improvising, like had loose had loose ideas of what to do, but like otherwise it was improv. And then like the director was going to take the footage that he got and kind of like, like just make it work. Like that would have never been, not only would it have not, I mean, it would have been still as funny, but it would have been like, why did Marty do it this way? Like this yeah. is so like, why didn't he just like, why didn't he just like shoot it like a normal person? And it, you know, it wouldn't be so impressive that he like taught himself to rotoscope and like he taught himself how to edit and he took a ton of footage that didn't really connect and make it this like incredible. I mean, it's so genuinely funny. So like, yeah, there's this real, like, you know, for the artists, I think that like, this is a true beginning to what will become an incredible Renaissance, you know, after the bubonic plague, there was an incredible Renaissance after all these plagues there's always this period of renaissance and it's because when it comes down to it, the artists trying to like, you know, trying to participate in society in this like super commercial way, become part of like, just become part of a different, become part of like a business culture that isn't necessarily about the art or isn't necessarily about the, you know what I mean? Whereas Uh now like, no, the artists who are actually, just showing up to play which is like kind of always what i've preached and always what my you know sort of like m- what my mindset has been like whether or not it made sense just like go play at yep. the thing create what you fun. want to create yeah. create what you want to create and like now yeah like the the not only was it charming that like Madi's video like there are pieces of it where it's like obviously like edited or like someone's obviously a little blurry or like the the things are a little bit are a little bit wrong but like in all of those things they're a little bit wrong because we have this like cycle it's almost like at an improv show when everyone like needs to like be there at the beginning so that you can get the get or like hear the hear the right. beginning and then you can enjoy the show because you're you understand the context because of coronavirus everybody's context is the same yep. everybody's coming from the same psychological perspective whether you like whether now i'm not talking about, like politics or but it's like no, it's like this equalizer that we like, not only are all in the same conversation, so we don't need that pretext to why Madi's video is like, you know, looking a little bit, quote unquote, technically imperfect because actually now it's in, similar to a comedy show, it's in, or an improv show. It's like, it's in the, it's in the imperfection it's that we of kind aesthetic. of actually feel. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, and it's, and it's a part of like, it, you know, I think part of it, I think it was really hard to do. I mean, what is the moon? It's a fucking improv show. When I go on IG Live, I'm doing an, a two-person improv show. Like, when I – there was no way for me to participate in improv, which is really my favorite thing to do, in a way that made sense for my career for the past, like, decade. Whereas now, I'm like, oh, shit, no. Like, everything is improv. Mm-hmm. And, like, I love to improvise. And so now there's this, you know, when you see a or when you see Madi's video or when you're seeing these things that are put together, you know, despite all odds or, like, despite the circumstance. It's almost like everybody's just kind of meeting at the top of an improv show being like, okay, we're in on it. We know this was created during coronavirus. (laughs) That's the get. So now it's like, you know, yeah, like we're seeing art and we're seeing things like actually get created that are from that place of like, I'm doing this for me. And that's like where the art is coming from. I'm doing this for me because it serves me. And that is ultimately what always serves others. And yeah, this the permission that we have now to just be imperfect it's like, it's like everyone gets that like hero, like clap for them. They did something at this time that I think mm. the artists really needed before this too, which is like, yeah, thank you for showing up. Thank you for showing up and actually yeah. sharing your no, art and mean,
0: trying. So let's jump in for a second. Like doing the sketches that I've been doing, it was something like I definitely always wanted to do while I was doing standup, but I never really like gave myself the hundred percent permission to do it. Cause I was like, no, I got to focus on the standup. And it definitely took me a while to like transition into being comfortable with it and like setting, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, you know, my wife helps me now and she'll be doing like she will, you know, do some of the directing and whatnot. And we just try to have a rule of like, you only get two shots. And if it doesn't come out well, it doesn't come out well. And we're just (laughs) going to fucking go with it. And like totally kind of balancing my, you know, perfectionism with some imperfection. It's like oh yeah maybe I'll just like cut some of that out or whatever but uh to well dude about-
1: I know you I wait, well just like a question on that like yeah. okay so for you like okay so have you not because I, I think the sketches you've been posting are like so fun and I know exactly what you mean like, like there's po- there's one you posted the other way were you wearing like a mop on your head or something like there, there was, like, one that you posted and you had, like, oh, well, there was, like, a wig or, like, a... It was, like, something you had, like, some, like, hair on or something. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, No, I got a wig. That was, like, my big yeah. investment for these sketches is yeah. wearing a wig when I am a female character.
1: I love it, but it's, like, okay, so, like, that to me... Okay, I love it, right? So, like, I didn't even... I'm, I'm just scrolling. It's something I see that you're doing. I notice it. Like, pre-coronavirus, what did you think that you need? Like, you know, now you're producing, you know, how many sketches, you know... They don't take that much time. They're actually really a pleasure. You you get a lot out of just like doing it and not making it so fucking serious. What would your process have been pre coronavirus?
0: Uh, pre coronavirus, you know, it definitely would have been kind of what you mentioned. So I started working with a local uh, like nonprofit TV station, and it was like the process would have probably been to pitch a show to them. Which, since it's nonprofit, it would have gone through, but it would have had to involve just so much more collaboration, which is funny, it's actually one of my uh, other podcast bits that I've, I've talked about that I'll have another guest on at some point, the difference between like partnering and collaboration,
2: Dude, it yes. just involves
0: so many, so many more steps and in kind of connecting with what you're saying about Madi, So in the beginning of coronavirus, I did have a couple of similar things. I don't know if you saw my first sketch. I didn't tell what the people, I didn't tell the like actors slash comedians what they were doing. What it was going to be a part of which is kind of fun for me but dude I that's like had- kind of
1: what Maddie did too modi was like don't ask too many questions this is the kind of thing but like here's your character here's your person i was like right. okay
0: so basically i was doing like kind of like a fake infomercial like oh it's covid virus you know but people can't perform comedy but why don't we go see what the fans and i made it personal i was like alan sidley stand-up shows like why don't we hear from our fans and then i just had like every comedian just trash like my shows
2: oh my god that's just so awesome much, it was so fun
0: and and I had like another one that was like an interview one that was like similar but then as I was going about it you know I think just like seeing the different levels of people's like commitment during this time and like I know a lot of people have their own barriers where you know I'm so fucking down to collaborate Sarah like that's the dream the dream is like finding another Alan Sidley out there who's like we will create this thing together and it will be the best and we'll cover each other's blind spots and we'll just fucking go for it. And it'll be the best thing that's ever made.
1: Well, I mean, you're married now. Isn't that like the purpose of having children? Like that's why you have a son, Alan. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, soon coming soon, but, uh,
1: completely understand though. Yeah.
0: But like now it's like, you know, convinced my wife to do the one sketch where she got to act her part. And it kind of just came natural. I was like, Hey, you know, I can force you to like shoot these things and I'll act these different parts. And it's like, now I'm at this very kind of independent, uh, stage where it's like you know I've got the idea I write it out I write out the sketch I you know maybe I'll check it over with one other person but there's just like no fucking obstacles to doing it right now it's like totally. I wrote something I wrote something she was we were driving up to Pennsylvania to visit her parents don't worry we all had covid before so we were fine uh, yeah
2: and Whoa. I was just sitting
0: there in the car and I had this idea and it's actually one of my most like kind of political current eventy things and we shot it yes. before we did this call today and i'll probably put it together tomorrow and it's just like it's a nice pacing for me and then i don't worry yeah. about it anymore it's like that the energy's gone it's created and i'll get to well, put it out there and before I, it would have been like oh let me get all these other people to when are your schedules free oh you're not free then oh let's make a doodle all right everybody's yeah. doing doodles all the time to figure out <laughs> when people could <laughs> meet and it's like now it doesn't have to be that uh that super serious thing, right? I think that's Dude, that's part 100%. of
1: it. 100%. And then there's also, like, to, to piggyback on your point, I think that, like, the way that we're doing, like, relating to each other is actually so much more, um, I don't even know, like, what's the wor- what's the, like, appropriate way to phrase it? Because it's, like like, for example, your wife being able to just, like, jump in and help you on, like, a quick thing that you think is funny. Like, first of all, when we talk about, like, how to get good at comedy, it is, like, And, and well, okay, so I'll make a second point, but it's like, okay, so the answer is open mics. Okay, how do you get good at comedy? The answer is you show up and you perform, Mm -hmm. and you do it as much as possible. And you don't really have any sort of like, attachment as to whether or not that mic itself, like you don't necessarily want to be like crushing every mic because you want to actually like use the opportunity to grow. You want to actually, like, try shit out, right? And it's just, well, like,
0: impossible to crush every mic. There's a mic oh, where you'll just get up, and everyone in the room will be like, we fucking hate you. And you're like, I don't know
2: why. What did I do? Totally. And that's just, like...
1: <laughs> Dude, literally. And and then, like, not only not only does everyone fucking hate you sometimes, and it's random, or, like, people don't even fucking... They hate you because they didn't even know they were at a show, and they're like, why <laughs> are you now talking? I'm here at a pizza restaurant. Like, what are you yeah. doing? But then, also, it was, like, this big, like you know, there was a lot of this like energy, but you know, like we're like practicing at home or in groups, like for the mic, which is not even a place where you should be trying to crush anyway, but because like performance opportunities are so limited or like, because we're in a social system that's a scene, you need to prove yourself at the mic so that you're not even really doing the purpose of the mic, which is to go fucking suck. It's like, no, when with sketches, you kind of need the same thing too. Like you kind of need to be able to, and especially because filmmaking is such a kinesthetic process. Which is like, oh, let me like set up a shot that I think is gonna look cool and let me just like say what I think to do. And then I'm gonna, like, you have to like actually move through the process of doing it a few times, especially like before it's really something that you're comfortable doing.
2: Mm-hmm. Whereas,
1: so before, like, we, like, yeah, like for your wife to have been like the one that just jumped in, like, first of all, it sounds like one we're doing, and for me, for me too, and it's, and it comes out in a different way, but it's like these sketches that you're doing, like, they sort of get to have the same, like, it's like the way that like a, an open mic doesn't even have that open mic, the no pressure feeling of an open mic because there is all, there's like other people watching and there's like always this like pressure to perform so that you could get other spots and like it was just all about so much more than just actually like trying the joke or trying the, yeah. the thing. So like now you're getting not only a chance to open mic sketch, like sketch making which like is not something that there was ever really like a, an emphasis on or a push to do. But then it's also like, yeah, like we, we, I think we appreciate and value doing things more than we ever would have. So whereas like before, like your wife may have been annoyed, like, oh, like I have to go to work and then I have to go to yoga and then right. I have to do, and then I have to catch up with Karen and I have to see Emma's new baby. And then I, and then by then I'm exhausted and I just want me time to watch Wondery Hill or whatever. It's like, uh, no, Gilmore I, actually girls actually. Like, okay, yeah, I knew it was something old. I knew it was something old. <laughs> But it's like, now it's like, oh, we we actually aren't like just filling our calendars and filling our time with like, you know, other people's anything or like having to, it's just like, we have more time now. And Mm -hmm. the people that we're with really are our, you know, our family, you know, everybody is sort of with whatever version of their families they, they choose to be at the moment. And whether it's your roommates or your actual family or your wife or whatever, but it's like, actually for her to be able to just like jump in and collaborate with you like real quick real easy no pressure like what like I would much rather have like whoever I end up dating long-term or marrying or whatever it's like the only way anybody has ever dated me anyway is if we were like kind of in the same field and working on the same projects because that's like actually all you know as an artist that's like kind of all I want to do and like you don't have to now find like another Alan Sidley or another collaborating right. partner or like, or, and you don't have to get your wife to do you any major favors. It's actually fun because you're together and it's something to do together that is low pressure and that is creative. But like, you know what, she might have had fun always being that person for you. But like before it might have been like, oh, Alan, like, come on, like, I, I don't want to be your, you know. Your collaborator I just want to be your wife and it's like yep. no now like, now like it's like if it's a zombie apocalypse you don't get to be like I don't I don't really like want to like you know walk for miles today like I just want to be your wife it's like no we're in a fucking uh, we're in the, it's, it's we're literally living through the plague there's only so many things that you can do and there's a lot of things that you have to do sur- to survive on both like a physical and mental level and like the most important thing is that you can kind of I mean it, walking dead every episode is nothing if not a group of people trying to fucking improvise what to do together on a daily basis, you know? Yes. So like, <laughs> it's like that like really is like, it, it like actually brings this level of like play and fun back into the creative process that I think we have completely lost. And we've found partners in our partners in ways that are, in, i mean even even this year on the moon you you know randy's done the moon UL twice now randy would have never done the moon UL before right. like that yeah. was so not like he. that was like my thing and it was like women's thing and it was and it's like the only reason it was ever a woman's thing anyways, because you know at one point carolines was like hey we want a woman show and i was like great that's what it'll be but it's like mm-hmm. no it's not a women's thing and it's not just like a straight comedy thing and working in the comedy clubs i had to like i had to kind of make it seem more of a quote unquote comedy, the way that you're used to seeing a thing just so that I can have the spot in the club. So now it's like, yeah, creating and partnering and being able to show up and do your work is so much easier and more fun. And as a result, like for me and the money stuff, it's like, like I now, when I think about like how the moon, UL plays into my business. Now the moon, UL financially and all of my creative projects, all makes so much more sense because again without the like confines of 3d structure i've always said this but like everything i'm doing is the fucking same there isn't that much of a difference between coaching and astrology and comedy Uh, essentially i'm just talking about one of these three things and it's just like if you want coaching you have to just pay me a little bit more so that i talk less lol it's (laughs) pretty much like that's like literally it though like Coaching is where you pay me to listen more and we focus mostly on you. But otherwise, like comedy, when I'm reading charts, I mean, even even a chart reading where I'm reading your chart, you're not doing that much talking. I'm reading your chart. And it's like an improv show with this chart. And I'm like getting gets from the improv chart and I'm getting to do that thing that I love to do, which is kind of just like, you know, free form, uh, free form, share the truth. And then like surprise myself with connection and punchline, which is like yeah, a good yeah. improv show. No, so- that's...
0: That sounds really amazing, Sarah. I'm very happy that yeah. that's uh, working out for you. you.
1: There's a meal tomorrow night. You got to come and then you can, once you see it, you can decide what you want to do. Because you can do like comedy or you can facilitate a conversation or you can lead an exercise or you can do whatever. You can do a character, you can do a sketch. So like, it's very free form, which like, again, I didn't have a place for. And I guess like to answer your question, like what is the medium term goal? Now the medium term goal is just to like take everything I learned last year, like keep the good, and then adjust the things that like were trouble spots or didn't totally work because now the creative field is like, so open that it's not like, well, damn, but it's in a comedy club. So, like there's nothing I can do about that. It's like, no, there's something you can do about everything now. So yep. it's really just like continue to build this thing. That is something that I actually need. Like I need these moon rituals. This is my creative. This is my creative. And this is my coaching practice. And I get to just be myself and coach and do comedy and do astrology and invite my friends and have it be like a fucking long marathon hang. hang. <laughs> so now my, my only like medium term goal is to just like, you know, find more streamlining of some of the like hiccup places that like the admin stuff, some of that became difficult or like engage more people in the creative process so that I actually can now do less sort of like, you know. Do more of what you team.
0: wanna do. yeah Yeah,
1: like even as a producer you're like okay now that i have location and i have the thing i'm gonna have so-and-so do the door i'm gonna have so-and-so do you know so it is still like delegating and producing in that way but it's really just like to make you know next level just like to bring it to bring it to the next level of um function you know but to but to really just like keep having fun and do it do it for another full year like what i've created between the beginning of coronavirus and now is so much better than what I would have imagined for it without coronavirus happening that now, like I'm not too limited by like any sort of long-term goal that is like super, you know, coaching is confusing because there is this like sort of emphasis on like, let's get super specific. What is Mm the super specific goal? And I actually don't think that that's, I don't think I've ever really been, like I, I, I try to do that just so we have like goal posts, but really like the super specific goal should always be how does this thing that you're doing actually make you feel and like, right. how does this thing that you're doing, what is the feeling that you want the effort that you put into this to what are you, what, what feelings do you want to cultivate? What do you really want this to actually like, you know, provide for you? And so I think now we can do goal setting in that way and it, a much more, it's like, that's the only thing that we can do because so much of, so much of the future is, is unknown anyway that like we really are in the we're in the experience of of being like it's like I, I think when it comes to manifesting there's like picture the thing you want picture it go there in your mind and then like use the law of attraction slash active choices that you make on a daily basis to like bring this into real life it's like now we really can make those quantum leaps and it's not about like that old goal or that old vision of what you thought it, you needed in order to be successful now it's like no literally do something that makes you feel better Mm -hmm. do something that makes you feel good so like just by actually participating in your creative process in any way you're actually just doing as so long as you're having fun and you're actually like feeling expressed you're doing the like if you can be in that feeling now then the the possibilities are endless about what you can create in the future because in the moment is really where the power is so if in every moment the goal is to actually, you know, for me, the moon. It's always like have the next moon will be slightly tighter, smoother.
2: Right. You know, yeah. You just learn work out the kinks. The you just do day. that indefinitely.
1: Out, yeah. Right. You just do that indefinitely, and then actually, like the long, long-term goals start to get checked off. And you go, know, I forgot that was even a thing. I forgot that was even a thing. Because oh, you're mean, just shit, so much around. in your process, yeah. just
0: enjoying it. No, I think yeah. that's that's a good way. I like it.
1: Yeah. This um, is a cool podcast, though. I like this idea.
0: Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, um, I do. I do think we're at a natural closing point, and I do actually have to sure. wrap up. I have to go get drug tested today for my new L-O-L. job.
1: Oh, and congrats on your new job. That's yeah. so exciting.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah, I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be great. I mean, I definitely see it as like, hopefully, I'll be able to put some money into comedy at some point when it becomes like yeah. a, a possibility. You know, doing like a little bit more investing and just kind of going yeah. back to the producing thing. I don't have to sweat over every show, so
1: dude, for real. It's so nice. And like, even like, even with money, like, again, like, and again, we can, we can wrap up. I know you have to go. The last thing I'll say though, is like, just from someone who like knows you and knows your process and has has worked with you and like observed you over the years. I feel like even with this remote job, like there's a version of Alan who, even when working remotely was kind of like not able to be really like free, even in that remote work, because again we were like still living in this like old world paradigm i think now it's like because again like we don't really have that like like it is helpful to have structure it is helpful to have things to be accountable for and things to do especially if we don't have to put on pants ever again like kind of good to have a little bit of structure really nice to have coin in your pocket and then because you've been practicing doing like sketches and doing online comedy and doing like you know kind of like less producing of shows or, or whatever now that you will have money in your pocket again it like before if you were going to like overcompensate and try to put on like a fabulous production for the dumbass idea that you had you might be like grossly disappointed now you've actually been in practice like open micing content enough that if and when you do put a little money behind even a tiny bit of money behind the sketches that you're doing even if they're still one take wonders or whatever that's going to feel really good because there's actually been this like there's been this open mic period, or this trial period that you like just wouldn't have had otherwise, and so now mm-hmm. even when you invest in comedy or invest in producing or invest in like your own writing or creative process, there isn't that old hangup of like, yeah, but am I actually, actually gonna do it? It's like, yeah, you've actually been doing it, so now that investment is gonna go a way longer way.
0: Right. Yep.
1: That's all I can say about that. I'll let you go. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us today. And My do you pleasure. want to tell them you want to do a little final plug before we go where they can find you yeah. and all that jazz? I don't
1: know if I don't know what the timeline on this is, but if this comes out before tomorrow, uh, probably Tuesday, not. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, so, so just for you and Jill, come to the Moon UL tomorrow, but basically follow the Moon Yule at the Moon UL on Instagram, on YouTube, on you know, you can go to the website or whatever, the and every other week, so every 14 days on the new moon and the full moon, we do a ritual. They're totally free, so you can just sign up at the link in bio, and, like, they're so fucking fun, and, like, if you can come from the beginning and watch the first, you know, you basically, like, can leave whenever you want, but there's, like, a bunch of different, it's, like, a variety show, but it's, one part healing, one part calm, you know, it's, it's exactly what I've been describing. And like right. the chances are, if you come back five hours later, because you got to put the kids to bed, there are still going to be a bunch of witches on that zoom fucking shuffling cards for the people that are there doing personal readings, kind of just like shooting the shit. So like, it really is like, just get a ticket for that, like free zoom link. It's an, it's a, it's an activity that like will surprise you with how versatile, like planning on quote unquote coming to the shows really fucking is. And I'm so, I really feel like, I feel like I have like the only house party, comedy show on, going on zoom right now. i like, I'm very proud. <laughs> awesome. So please well, come anytime.
0: Yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to it. So I'll uh, see you tomorrow night. All right.
1: Fuck yeah. Okay. Love you, Alan.
0: All right. Love you too, Sarah. Thanks again.
1: My pleasure. Bye.
0: Bye. I want to once again, thank Sarah for joining the podcast today. I really enjoyed catching up with her and just getting to see her talk about adapting her creation and personal branding to meet the virtual environment. You know, instead of focusing on making a few extra bucks and, increasing her prestige by killing herself to host it in a comedy club. Her show is now less work, more successful, and she's getting more out of it. And to really make it about me, it's got some ideas floating in my head. You know, I've been wanting to get back on the Zoom platform, and I'm going to be thinking about how to host the most Alan Sidley show out there. So thank you, Sarah, for sharing your win and giving me some things to think about. So once again, uh, make sure to check out the Moonwell's next show on January 12th. I'll be there so we can uh, see each other virtually then. And, yeah, just uh, thanks for listening, and let's figure it out together. All right, bye-bye.